Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Janine Bryant. Janine is an expert at helping older adults and their families through times of transition. As the owner of Changing Spaces SRS, a senior move management company in Lincoln, Nebraska, she and her team have assisted hundreds of seniors through the downsizing and moving process. They are experienced professionals who help clients sort, pack, manage move day, unpack, and settle in. They also assist in clearing out an estate after someone has moved or passed away. With a decade of experience doing this kind of work, Janine has found her passion in helping seniors and people of all ages right-size their belongings and their lives. She has recently authored a book entitled Ready to Right-Size, a step-by-step guide to right-sizing your journey. For older adults and their loved ones and created a website filled with free resources at easyrightsizing.com. Janine, thanks for coming on to the Me Time Midlife podcast. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, well, I think this is a fascinating subject, and it is so, um, I mean, it's so right for our audience here of uh, midlife women as, you know, they're looking to right size or downsize or declutter or whatever, and so are their parents at at this time of life, too. Yeah, it's something I think that anyone at any age can relate to, truly. I mean, um, the clientele that we generally work with are seniors who are downsizing and moving, but boy, I think people going through the right-sizing process, we can all do that. It's kind of a unique American problem, I think, that we all have too much stuff, and we can all stand to go through it every once in a while. Agreed, agreed, yes. So before we get into all of that, let me start with the question I ask every guest first, which is, what do you enjoy doing during your me time? Well, uh, as an introvert, um, my me time is very important to me. I've got two little kids and I run this business. I've got a husband. So I try to be very intentional about spending some me time. You know, I try to sit in silence every day. I try to walk outside every day. I love to write and journal. I love to read. And I've found that if I am able to really be intentional about taking the time to do those things, everything else just seems to go a lot better, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. It's one of those things where we know we should do it. We know we need to take time for ourselves and, you know, fill our cup and, you know, invest in in ourselves and in those types of ways. But it's one of those things that often gets pushed to the, to the end of the to-do list. Right. And that's why I want to emphasize this every time I have a guest is, you know, the importance of having that me time. Yeah. Um, And if if I could say, Kim, you know, I used to think that I had to wait until everything else was finished before I had that me time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I got to a point in my life as most people do when the to-do list just never ended and there was always going to be more stuff to do. And so I had to stop that and I had to just put the me time as a priority. Yes, that's right. And I would assume this goes uh, along quite nicely with the the topic we're going to talk about now. There's no like 
any time is a great time to reevaluate yeah. <laughs> um, all your stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I have so many questions for you, but mm -hmm. let me let me just and we'll see. I might jump all over the place, um, but we'll we'll see kind of kind of how it goes. Hope you don't mind that. Sure. <laughs> okay, so let me start with this question. So, um, you help people let go of things, right? Mm -hmm. So, what are some of the categories of items that people have a hard time? letting go of? What do you see in your practice? Yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the terms that we use is release. We help people mm. release items. And I think that helps people understand a little bit more that, you know, we're not just throwing these things out. We're releasing them out into the world so that other people can use them. So everyone is different with their, their things that they like to keep. Some people love clothes and they just have a ton of clothes. They have a hard time letting go of the clothes. Um, if we're working with particularly men, but women too, some people love their tools. They don't want to get rid of their tools. Maybe they've got a collection. Um, books, lots of times that's a pretty common one. It's hard to let go of your books. Um, keepsake items, photographs, those are, th those are stumbling blocks. A lot of the people that we're working with, they're moving out of a large home and going into a smaller home or an apartment. So they have to let go of half or more of their stuff. And those are the kinds of things that, ooh, they can be it can be really hard for them to let go of. But when you're moving, uh, it necessitates that releasing of items. Yeah. So you have to, right? I mean, if you're, if you're downsizing, you gotta, you only have so much space. Right. And, you know, we talk about even practical items like in your kitchen. Okay. If your new kitchen is half the size of your current kitchen, you're going to have to let go of half or more of your stuff. Um, but even for your listeners, if maybe they're not planning a move, but maybe they've noticed that their kitchen cupboards are overflowing, or maybe they're starting to store some kitchen items in their garage or in their basement or other rooms of the home. Um, same thing with Christmas decorations. Okay, that's another example. When we're working with a client, maybe they have 10 boxes of Christmas decorations. They're not going to bring all 10 of those boxes with them to a retirement community if that's where they're moving to. And so to really get them to start thinking about what, what is enough, what is essential and what is enough for me to be happy? You know, can I still celebrate Christmas if I have two boxes of Christmas decorations? Do I need 15 boxes? Um, so those are the kinds of questions that we tend to ask our clients and that I would encourage your listeners to think about is, you know, what is enough and how do you define enough in your life and in all of these different categories, whether it is uh, kitchen items, Christmas decorations, books, clothing, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I want to get back to the enough. What is enough? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll ask you that after this question here. So let's say someone is ready to release some items. Mm -hmm. um, what's the best way to do that? What are some options? Sure. Yep. Well, um, really, there's three options. You can sell it, you can donate it, or you can throw it away or recycle it. Okay, so pretty simple. So how do we decide which one of those things we're going to do? If you're going to sell it, you can have a garage sale, you can list it online, maybe it's listing it on eBay, if you know how to do that, and you're willing to ship the item, or you can list it locally, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist. Um, you can hire a, an auction company, you can hire an estate sale or a tag sale company, you can work with consignment shops in town. But something I want people to understand is that selling items takes time and energy. So you, again, you have to decide how much time and energy do I want to put forth uh, in selling these items. 
because how much is your time worth? Okay, so that's selling. The other option, of course, then is donating. Um, you want to make sure that whatever items you're donating are a blessing to the charity and not a burden. So that means that you're donating uh, things that are in good condition, things that are not broken or torn or stained, things that still have some real use left in them. And if you're not sure where to donate, doing a simple Google search is a great place to start. Just Google charity donations in your zip code and you'll probably come up with a whole list of places that would happily accept your donation. Lots of times you do have to take the donation there, so that's something to be prepared for. Occasionally some charities will come pick up at your house, but lots of times the items already have to be boxed, maybe they have to be out in um, the garage or at the curb, so just to consider that. And then the last category then, trashing or recycling, those are things that really would not be a blessing to a charity. Those are things that are broken, worn out, stained. Of course, the first thing you should always try to do is recycle it if you possibly can. If you don't know how to recycle an item, go back to your old friend Google, do another Google search and, and Google, you know, how do I recycle, you know, textbooks and then your local zip code because there might be a textbook recycler in your area um, or there might not be. So then if you're not able to recycle an item, then it goes in the trash. Mm. Oh, wow. There's so many things I didn't even think of. And also uh, what you said about making sure you, if you're going to donate the items, make sure they're in good condition. They're not trash, right? <clears throat> yes. You know, these charities are operating on a shoestring budget. And right. so if you bring them a bunch of stuff that they can't use, now suddenly it's another thing on their to-do list. Now they've got to deal with getting rid of it. And that takes time and energy and money as well. So, mm -hmm. Right. I would think too, that if um, someone is ready to to go through this process that a friend even would be great to, to do this with, right? There's some accountability there. And then now, you know, you both can take these items. Um, you Absolutely. Know, yep. Yep. To have that friend there. Sometimes it's good to have a neutral third party mm. saying, all right, Kim, do you really need that old, yes. you know, that, right. that sweater? I, you've got three other black sweaters. Why do you need to keep this fourth <laughs> black sweater? Right. So sometimes it's good to have that um, accountability partner. And then sometimes, I mean, if you're able to do it with a family member or a friend, then it becomes something fun that you're doing. And it's kind of a social thing. And maybe you could drink a glass of wine while you're going through things, you know, um, that kind of helps. Yes, right. And even, um, you know, just real quick, this, this whole, you know, decluttering process is so important too for us at any time of life, but especially in midlife, I think too, when there is, you know, with the clients I work with, there's, they're doing a lot of reevaluating of what's important to me now. Who am I now? Where am I going? Yeah. And there's a lot of things in their past that they've accumulated that maybe are not a part of where they're going. Absolutely. And I tell people that all the time, you know, collections are one item that one category of items that comes up. Just because you started a collection of porcelain angels 20 years ago and you have a curio cabinet full of them, if those things don't bring you joy any longer, you don't have to keep them. Mm. You know, I give you permission to let go of those kinds of items, to sell them, to donate them. You don't have to carry that into the next chapter of your life if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. A lot of the uh, people that I work with who are in that midlife time, they're kind of crunched. They're in that sandwich generation. They're dealing with aging parents. They've also got kids or teenagers of their own, and they're probably maybe working full-time as well. Mm -hmm. So they're just busy. They're getting it on all sides. And boy, when we help 
the seniors, maybe their parents go through that downsizing process and they help empty out their parents' home that they've lived in for 30 or 40 years, suddenly it's like a light bulb turns on and they realize, you know what, I don't want to do that to my kids. You know, they see all the stuff that their parents accumulated and they think, no, I'm not going to do that. So then it spurs them on to go through their stuff. That's a great point. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. So I promised I was going to come back to this enough uh, thing. So what is enough? Oh my gosh. When we just talk about that word enough with women, that's a whole topic. (laughs) Am I enough? Am I good enough? What is enough? (laughs) Right. So now we're talking here about, um, tell, tell me like what you mean by what is enough. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I talk about the the process of right sizing and right sizing to me is finding that perfect place between too much and too little. Mm. And that's really what enough is as well. So we start off in life and we don't have any possessions and we need some possessions, especially as we go into our adult life. We need some furniture. We need some clothing. We need some kitchen stuff. And then after you get the essentials, the necessities taken care of, then you might add in some fun things, some non-essentials, but maybe these are things that help you feel more beautiful or your home more comfortable. Maybe these are decoration items. Maybe this is a, a fancy cashmere sweater that makes you feel beautiful. You get a few of those items, and then that is really where we reach the top of that curve to enough. Everything after enough is things that do not make you happy, that you don't need, and that you're not using. So everything after enough really is clutter, and it has the opposite effect. So these things aren't making you happy. In fact, they're probably making you less happy because they're stressing you out, they're weighing you down, and you're not utilizing them. And that is where I say that the clutter becomes wasteful. You know, I work with a lot of seniors, maybe who grew up during the depression or people who were raised by parents who grew up in the depression. And they say, I don't like to waste. You know, I was taught that waste not, want not. But my gentle message to those folks is that if you have items in your home that you're not using, that actually is wasteful. Because if you've got five extra coats in your closet that you never wear, someone could be wearing those coats, but they're not going to be wearing them while they're stuck in your closet. So let's release them out into the community where someone else can take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. So how how does one figure out what is enough for them? Can you go into that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone everyone has to decide for themselves, okay? Mm-hmm. But one thing I really encourage people to do is to respect the limits of their space. Mm. So you have to take a look around your living space. You don't need more storage space. You need less stuff. Okay, so how big are your closets? How many bookcases do you have in your home? How big is your kitchen? What does your storage situation look like? So if if every cupboard and drawer and closet is overflowing, that's a sign that you've got too much, okay? Um, Until you are able, you know, maybe you're gonna win the lottery and you're gonna be able to build your dream mansion someday. At that point, you can go out and buy more stuff. But right now, let's live in reality and let's respect the limits of wherever it is that we are living. And let's um, use those limits as a guide to tell us how much is enough. And I do this even in my own home. I mean, in my closet with my that I share with my husband, it is a walk-in closet, but he's got one side, I've got the other. 
And one of the tricks that I use um, is I vow vowed to myself a couple years ago that I'm never going to buy any more hangers. So I've got as many hangers as will comfortably fit on my side of the closet. And you know, I like to go shopping, but when I go shopping and I bring home new clothes and there's no more hangers to hang those clothes up, then that is a cue for me to start going through and calling out some of those uh, pieces of clothing that are not my favorite mm. so that I've got room. So, you know, I've got, I mentioned earlier, I have two little kids and with children, we set limits. We say you can have one cookie after dinner. You can't just have as many as you want we have to set limits for ourselves as well. So when I go shopping for new clothes, I can't just buy as many new clothes as I want. I have to respect the limit of my closet and I can only purchase as many clothes as will fit in that closet. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. And, and also knowing when you go out to go shopping, knowing that, okay, if I buy this item, I'm going to have to get rid of something at home. Right knowing that there's going to be a replacement there. And is this worth it? Do I like this more than something else I might have yes, at home, right? Absolutely. Yes. I run into that as well. You know, if, so my company also runs estate sales and we help our clients empty out their homes. And so we're selling a lot of cool stuff every week. We sell furniture and artwork and home decor and it's so tempting, but you know, my home is already decorated. It's not like I have empty rooms in my house. And so if I see a really cool piece of furniture, the only real way I can buy it is if I think, okay, well, I'm going to replace something that I already have at home. So you, you can't just continue to add. You have to think about replacing. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I find this so fascinating. Okay. <laughs> um, next, I want to ask you, what are some common mistakes that you've seen people make when sorting through their stuff? Yeah. Um, so one of the mistakes that people make is keeping things out of fear. They keep things, you know, just in case I might need it. And or in you case know, I that, lose weight. Yeah, there you go. Yes. In case um, I gain weight back. Oh. Right. Right. <laughs> my recommendation for that is because in my life, I have two sizes. In my adult life, I've always been one of two sizes. So I keep those two sizes of clothing. I think any more than two sizes is probably a little too much. So, um, you know, one. One example, this is kind of a silly example, but we were helping a client last week clear out their house and we found a box of old eyeglasses, prescription eyeglasses that they had had for maybe 20 years. You know, they go, they get a new pair of glasses. Instead of getting rid of the old pair, they throw the old pair into a box. And after 20 years, there's 15 or 20 pairs of, of glasses in there. So that's an example of you know, they keep those things just in case you break your current pair of eyeglasses. So you've got the old ones there, but then those kinds of things tend to build up. So again, setting limits on yourself. Maybe you tell yourself, I'm going to keep one pair of old eyeglasses around and the rest I'm going to let go of. Another category of things that people have a hard time letting go of, and sometimes they make the mistake of keeping keepsake items because they keep them out of guilt. So they think maybe these were items that came from their mother's house after their mother passed away. And they say, oh, mom loved this. Or this was always so important to mom. I can't get rid of that. I really should keep that. Those are things that I really listen for when I'm visiting with a client because that tells me that you're, you're not keeping those items because you want them and, or because they're important to you. You're keeping those items because they were important to someone who's maybe no longer living. And something that I tell my clients a lot is that people hold memories, not stuff. So it's, you're not going to remember that person more by keeping their items. 
you're not going to be able to bring them back. You're not going to be able to tell others about them just because you have 10 boxes of their items. And I, I lead people through this exercise where I ask them to think about a loved one they have lost. And I say, okay, if you had 50 of their items, would you remember them better than if you only had 10 items? Probably not, because your memories are your memories and the love and experiences you shared with them are not attached to those items at all. So, um, so that's something that we find a lot is people keeping those items out of guilt and really then they, those items end up doing the opposite. They don't end up making you happy and reminding you of your loved one. They end up weighing you down and sometimes you could even feel resentful that you've got all of this stuff, you know, hiding out in your basement, taking up room in your house. And it's, it's holding you back, truly. I mean, we all want to remember our loved ones, but we can't live in a museum. And I don't think our loved ones who have passed away, they wouldn't want that. And they wouldn't want their stuff to be a burden to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Interesting. Okay. So I have some clients who have the best intentions to throw some things out. So this is not like necessarily like what I work on with my clients, but you know, like I said, this is the time of life where they're reevaluating and it's um, all connected. It's all yeah. connected. Exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, the amount of stuff that you have in your home or on your desk or whatever has a, uh, it is linked to your health and your happiness, right? Yeah. Just like we're, we're talking about your well being. Um, so we do touch on these types of things. <clears throat> this of course is not my area. So I'm curious to hear from you. You know, clients who have the best intentions to throw things out or donate items um, mm-hmm. that they don't need, but they have a really hard time doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What are some suggestions that you can share? Yeah. Those? Well, um, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with the great um, decluttering expert Marie Kondo, okay, mm-hmm. the Japanese art of decluttering, I think. Mm-hmm. So something that she suggests is starting with Um, a category of items that is a little bit easier for you. So don't start with the keepsakes, okay? Because that's a hard thing for most people. Um, Start with something that's not going to be difficult for you. Maybe for you, it's books, or maybe for you, it's your clothing. Start with one of those categories. And then what I suggest is really being practical and thinking about where these items will end up. So again, who in your community could be reading these books that you're not reading? Who in your community could be wearing these clothes that are sitting unused in your closet? And to think about the end user and boy, I'm really going to be able to bless someone by donating this or even selling it to someone who could really use it. Um, So to keep that in the forefront of their mind as they're sorting. And once you go through one category of items, I really think it's all about momentum. So if for you, if you choose to start with the books and you sort through those books, you make the piles, but then here's the trick. You have to actually do something with the piles. You can't just make the piles. You got to get them out the door, sell them, donate them, whatever, get them out. Boy, I think you're going to feel so much better that it's going to give you that motivation to now let's move on to the kitchen. Let's start sorting through the stuff in the cupboards. And then once you do that, then let's move on to the clothing in the closet. And I'm a very type A person, so it's easy for me to think this way, but I think that's one of the things that we help our clients with is staying focused on one category. Because when you're in your own home and you think, oh, I'm going to sort through some things, 
it's easy to start and then maybe you go over here and you put in a load of laundry and then maybe the phone rings and then maybe you're going to make a cup of coffee and then you know half the day is gone and you haven't really done anything so mm -hmm. to really stay focused and complete one category of sorting before you move on to other categories because then you'll really feel that momentum and that will help you keep going right wow that's really motivating i know for women to um you know doing this because you know it's going to help somebody else because yes, we have the tendency to okay we know we should do something for ourselves but this is good for me mm -hmm. uh, this benefits me but if but if we can extend that to hey this is going to benefit somebody else kind of like one of my philosophies is that self-care is not selfish it's actually very generous it's one of the most generous things that things that you can do for the people that you love because the better you take care of you the better you can take care of others and help others right so um and then also the other area of you know starting with something small and staying focused on that one thing uh, and then going on to larger and larger things is very much like health as well you know you want to start with the thing that not that's not the hardest for you right you want to start with a thing that you're already doing okay in or something that you can build on and then you build it onto into larger um goals and, and things yes. like that so very uh similar Yep. That's great advice for me. Thank you, Kim, for that. Oh, sure. Well, that. gosh, I'm learning so much from you here. <laughs> okay, we, we have a few more minutes left. Um, so you can share, you know, any other strategies or tips, or you can tell us more about your book, wh whatever you'd like for the last couple minutes. We have. Yeah, to. well, um, I did write a book uh, this year. It's called Ready to Write Size, and it is great. You know, it's really geared towards I would say anyone who's over 65 who has too much stuff. It's really mostly geared towards people who are going to be moving and downsizing. And it's a short book filled with actionable tips. It's meant to be a handbook or a guide um, to really get you going and get you through it. And along with my book, I did develop this website. It's called easyrightsizing.com. And on that website, there are some great free resources that people can um, access. One of the things I would love to share with your listeners is called the Power of Counting resource sheet. So if you click on resources over at easyrightsizing.com, it's kind of a little homework sheet. And um, I compare this exercise, the Power of Counting, with stepping on a scale, okay? So if we think we've gained a little bit of weight, maybe our jeans are feeling a little tight, we're not really sure how bad the damage is until we get on the scale and see the actual numbers. Well, that's what the power of counting is about, except it's for your stuff. So it's an exercise where I encourage people to go through and physically count how many items they have in certain categories in their homes. And I've chosen some categories that are common struggles for a lot of people. So. Um, for example, the first one is, how many coffee mugs do you have? I really want people to actually go to their kitchens, open up those closets, and physically count how many coffee mugs do you have. I'm guessing the number will shock you, okay? Mm. I want you to also do that with wine glasses. How many wine glasses do you have? <laughs> and then when was the last time that many people were at your house drinking <laughs> wine at the same time, okay? okay. Um, these are things that tend to build up over the years. I think you can do the same thing in your closet. You can count how many sweaters do you own. Go through your linen closet, count how many sets of sheets, how many sets of towels do you own. So um, it's, it's a non-judgmental worksheet. I'm just asking you to count it. And then there's a space where you can write down that number. Then at the end of the worksheet, I ask you to consider what would it look like if you cut that number in half? 
and that might seem kind of scary. And if, if in half is too scary, then maybe we cut it by 25%. But I just want to challenge people to really think about how much could I um, shave off of this number and still feel like I'm okay. Hmm. Some people, you know, if you have a coffee mug collection, you have 45 coffee mugs in your cupboard, you might be able to shave that by 75%. And wouldn't that feel great? Mm. So that's something that I would really encourage um, folks to go and check out and then walk around your house and actually do um, that power of counting exercise. Mm, that's great. Now, would you use the same approach you do with uh, buying clothes with, let's say, a mug? Right. Yes. You, okay. So I'm going to Absolutely. bring a mug home. I got to get rid of a mug. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, when I I'm on a trip or a vacation with my family and I see a, a beautiful mug in the gift shop, the Grand Canyon. And I think, well, this would be fun. I mean, it, I really do think at home, okay, do I need another coffee mug? No, of course not. It's never like, oh, I would like to drink a cup of coffee, but I can't find a mug. That has never once happened to me in my entire life. Right. But when you bring it home and you put it away to look inside of your cupboard and think, okay, well, is there one here that I don't love that maybe doesn't bring me as much joy that I can let go of to bring this one in? Yeah. Great. Yeah. I love it. This is so interesting, Janine. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank um, you. I had fun. Yeah. So I'm going to put uh, a bunch of different links to different things. Your, um, your senior move management company, mm -hmm. um, your easy right sizing tips and resources, uh, you also have given me a link to uh, to find a senior move manager near you. So that's yeah. great. National mm -hmm. Association of Senior Move Managers. Um, your book. So a link to go and check out your book. And then, of course, to connect with you on Instagram and uh, Facebook. So uh, lots of places to connect with you, Janine. And um, could people, if they have a question, would they be able to contact you somehow? And, and Of course. Okay. Absolutely. At either one of those websites, there's um, an email address where people are welcome to contact me. And I'm happy to be here as a resource. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for coming onto the podcast, Janine. Yes. Thank you, Kim. If you find the Me Time Midlife Podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcast app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more Me Time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife Community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.